This is the Yob ConvoCast, one-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends. What's up, friends, and welcome back for the last time. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get emotional by the end of this. Um, Good thing I have an an emotional robot with me to navigate these waters. Um, As we finish the Yob ConvoCast Enneagram edition, this is our ninth episode. I mean, technically our 10th episode because we did an Enneagram Yobcast, and now this is our ninth Enneagram ConvoCast. We've gone all the way around the Enneagram, starting with type eight, going through the gut triad, and then making our way into the heart triad. And now in these last couple episodes, we've been delving into the head triad um, with the last two episodes, five and six. And now today we, we tie a bow. We tie a bow on all of it with an Enneagram seven conversation. And I am actually really glad that we're ending with a seven because I teased in the last episode, the sevens, are the fun type. They are the funnest type. They have the most fun. They have all the adventures. Um, they have the popping Instagram. It's just like this is this is who I want to be. I want to be a se- <laughs> I want to be a seven when I grow up. And you've heard him before several times. It's always great to have him back. Challenging to coordinate because he lives so far away from across the pond. It's our other brother Daniel. What's up, Daniel? Hey. Hey, hey, I feel like we need a um, song for the Enneagram series because originally I thought the Enneagram had something to do with Enya, the singer. Right. You know, he's like, she's like, oh, Uh (laughs) I feel like that should be the background theme song. It should just have Enya playing in the background. You know, it's funny. It harkens back to when we did that Yobcast on the Enneagram and Ryan joked when when we had the sponsor for that episode, Ryan thought it was going to be the singer, the artist Enya, but it was not Enya. <laughs> I forget who the sponsor was for this whole series. It's been a while. It's been a while. Did she sing that song? Who can say where I the think so. Goes? Yeah, was that Like Enya? that should be the theme song. <laughs> Hopefully we don't get a copyright strike where because of your singing. Flows. Shh, Daniel, be quiet. That's enough. <laughs> but I, yeah, that is, that is the soundtrack. That song is very Enneagram 7, actually. Is it? What is it like being a seven? Let's before we dive into the episode, um, how familiar are you with your sevenness and your Enneagram nature? How how because we have people who are in in like all the way. They've gone layers deep into Enneagram digging. And then some who are just kind of surfacey, and there's no judgment either way. But I'm curious, uh, I don't know that I know about you. How how dive how deep of a dive into the Enneagram have you taken? Well, I'm not that in in. Okay. I didn't get why you mixed up the numbers, not like in a, in um one, two, three, four, five, six, seven order. You right. have this. I remember head, asking you. I, I remember asking you at the start of this series because I wanted to try to. I didn't have all the types figured out when I started who I would be talking to, but I knew I wanted to talk to you as a seven because we have few, so few of them in our community. Um, and I remember telling you that, that the seven episode would be the very last episode. So you would have a couple months to prepare for this. <laughs> and you had no idea why. Like, why are you starting with eight and ending with seven? That makes no sense. Yeah. But I, I have a method to my madness. I mean, I've read the most that I can read on the online sites uh-huh. and listened to the song with um, Sleeping uh, at Last. Yes. And um, yeah, just like any seven, I went into it you know, really hard for, you know, That's a few months. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for a few months and then moved on. But like, originally I, I really hated like the Enneagram, like everybody mm. in the Yob community was talking about it. I was like, what is this? And I think the, the worst Part was when I went to the first retreat and everyone was introducing themselves with their Enneagram number and asking everyone else with their Enneagram number. I was like, ask my name. They would ask my name and they would ask my number, Enneagram <laughs> number. I was like, okay. We want to try to put you in boxes and figure you out, Daniel. Let us let us do it. Let us do that. No, that's funny. We don't, we don't do that anymore at retreats because I do remember doing that at the first. I think we did it at the first two retreats. It was it was a little maybe much, a little nerdy, but um, but yeah, we just want to know. We want to know what makes you tick, Daniel. And the beauty of today is you get a whole hour 
to tell us why you are the way that you are. Isn't that amazing? I didn't want to be boxed. I want to I be know. free. That's what a lot of people, yeah, especially as a seven, longing for adventure, longing for new experiences. I can imagine that the seven might want to escape the box maybe more than some of the other types. Um, but before we get in that, into it, Daniel, like anything up, up and happening in your life? Because it's been a while since you've been on the show. It's been so many months now. How are you? Yeah, this year has been a lot of life admin for me. I got my driver's license this year. Oh my um, gosh. So I was, yeah, I was um, taking driving classes. I've taken driving classes in the Philippines, but driving here in the UK is so much different because number one, it's the other side of the road yeah. and it's so much stricter. So I got that. So have you not last... been driving a car this whole time you've been living in the UK? No. Just like public transit, huh? And yeah, I mean, rides with friends and things. Yeah, I mean, public transport, the tube here is, is really okay. good. So you don't really need a car. And yeah, last Saturday, I I don't know if you watched my um, Instagram stories, but it was a whole saga trying to renew my passport in the consulate. Um, I, I, I was in the queue for nine hours in the consulate. Wow. Is it just and all Filipino people at that yeah. Place? Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a Philippine embassy. And it was it was in central London. And well, I'm happy that the tourists are back. So the tourists in the double-decker buses with no roof on on the second mm. floor were like taking pictures of us. They they think there's like a concert happening or a famous, <laughs> you know, supreme launch or whatever. But it was just us in the embassy. So that was a struggle, just being in one place. Are you legal now? Are you, have you cleared all the hurdles, or do you still have some more some more life? Admin? Yes, I've I've re renewed my passport, and I'm I'm I still need to wait for it for three months. Okay. The next the next life admin is very big. Um, I am getting my permanent residency for the UK, which is equivalent to a green card for you Americans there. Mm. So. Yeah, that's that's um that's a big thing. After seven years, look, look at that, in your seven and living seven oh, years here in the numbers UK. of perfection. Yeah. Do you feel like you're there for a while? Do you feel like this is where you are meant to be for the foreseeable future over there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think awesome. yeah, I'm gonna um I think that's one of the discussions that we're gonna have later, you know. What um what was an escape for me in the beginning became something, you know, God is using to train me to stay put and to persevere because mm -hmm. in Enneagram 7, it's really hard to stay put and to just be in one place for a long time. Absolutely. I, you know, that's so funny that you mentioned that because on the last episode with Aaron, as we talked about his, his sexiness, um, he talked about taking... <laughs> He talked about taking the paid Enneagram test. If you go to the Enneagram Institute, um, they have a website and they have a $12 test, um, which I told him I'm, I'm surprised I never paid for it because I love taking tests. I love especially personality stuff. Um, and so since that episode, I told myself, this is, so, this is my nerdiness coming through. I told myself when I finish this series, I'm going to pay for the test. And this is going to be like a treat for me to take the official Enneagram test, which I did. I, I cheated. I, I was like, I'm already going to talk to Daniel. I know that this, this series will complete itself unless I get hit by a bus or something, um, which I haven't. I'm still alive. I'm still here. And so I took the test. And when I took the test, I was praying. I've always had this thought that I am just an unhealthy seven in disguise. Like, forget the four. Like, yes, I'm emotional and I'm sensitive and creative and all that stuff. But, but what you just said about this struggle to stay put and persevere, like those are things that are hardwired into me that there have been so many times when I read about the seven that I'm often, I like cock my head and I'm, and I squint my eyes and I look at the words and I'm like, what if, what if like, my life is so unhinged and I'm so unhealthy and I've been reading this all so wrong that I'm actually a seven because one of the times in my life that I point to is when I lived on the road for nine months and I was constantly going, 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 going. And then the, the act of stopping and staying and living in a place for a year or years at a time now here, here in Asheville, North Carolina, like 
that has been very difficult at times. And I've often wondered how much of my struggle parallels the seven struggles. So all that to say, I took the test and lo and behold, I am indeed still a four. That hasn't changed. Four was the clear winner. And I was shocked though that seven, because they rank them, all nine types, they rank like your score. Number seven was last for me. And I was so sad. I was like- It's just- says you know don't worship the enneagram don't you know make those words be your bible i know i just use it as you know a guide it's a guide it's a tool and that's what we keep emphasizing through this series that it can be a great starting point to start to put language to things these groanings of the heart figuring out why you are the way you are and what are some tangible points of growth um but yeah i was just laughing that's why i also found it hard to accept that I was a seven in the beginning, actually, because I'm like, I can't relate to this, to this, to this, to this, like, Mm -hmm. what is this? But then in the end, I caved in and yes, (laughs) I am a seven. You settled at home in the sevens and I'm so glad you did because there are so few of you. Um, In our community, I'm gonna say a little bit more about that in a second, but um, just grateful, grateful for the sevens in my life because they are so fun. You are so fun, Daniel. You bring an element of fun to our community. Um, you led, you headed up our, our virtual retreat a couple years ago, and it was so fun. And you were such a big reason why. So I just want to give you that that affirmation of your your sevenness coming through in that situation. Hearts, hand hearts, hand hearts. The Enneagram, it's a tool that we use, and we have loved using it through this series. Um, getting to know members of our community and just learning how we're all similar in matters of masculinity and sexuality, and also learning ways that we diverge and ways we're a little bit different. So I've just thoroughly enjoyed, if I haven't said that enough, thoroughly enjoyed everyone I've talked to, grateful for every guest I've had, um, including Daniel here today. Um, Most of our Enneagram information in this episode comes from truity.com, our faithful unofficial sponsor. Trudy has no idea. I've been using their website for all this information. Um, And then also enneagramgift.com. Some additional information comes from there. So the seven, they're known as the enthusiast. They just love life. They love adventure. They love experience. Um, Their primary passion is gluttony, which when you think of gluttony, you probably think of food. You probably think of just gorging on all the foods, which can be an element of gluttony. But Um, I love how the seven encapsulates this gluttony, this sense of never enough. Like you constantly need more, whether it's more food or more drink or more life experience or more travel or more adventure or more friends or more whatever. Like, I think that's the essence of gluttony. Does that sound true to you, Daniel? Well, I definitely love the song Gyro. (laughs) Ah, tell me about Gyro. You are enough because... It's hard. Mm. So in Trudy's study, to give the stats, they had 54,000 respondents. Type 7s were found up to make 9% of the population, 9% of women, 8% of men. And when you look at our Yob community to our super statistical polling on Discord and Facebook, it's somewhere between 3 and 6%. It's not a lot. There's there's There have been a few of you over the years, but they come and they go. Some of you stick around. Um, Maybe a lot of them have left because it's just hard to stay put, like you were saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's I think I'm the only one. <laughs> You've been so committed, though, Daniel. You are definitely the most committed of all the sevens we've ever had. So that's pretty cool to have you here. And, you know, I want to say something about this because I noticed a pattern developing here because we had one yabber provide feedback for this episode. So first of all, huge thank you to that yabber. I'm so glad that we went this entire series always having feedback. We always had a guest and we always had at least one person provide feedback. So that helped me feel reassured that we had a a semi-balanced episode um, every single time. So I'm grateful for for the yabbers. Um, But I did notice a pattern because in the types three, seven, and eight episodes, we only had one person provide feedback for each of those types and each of those types represent only about, yeah, two, three, four percent of our community. Those are our three most underrepresented types. And coincidentally, here, here's more Enneagram nerdery. The, the types three, seven, and eight all make up the aggressive stance. There's these things called the stances in Enneagram. And so the aggressive stance, three, seven, eight, um, typically when presented with conflict, you will be more likely to enter into the conflict you know, there are exceptions to it, but more aggressive, just more outgoing types. You know, aggressive sounds very hostile, but essentially just you're more outgoing than some of the other types are. 
Um, versus let's say the fours, fives, and nines, which I'm a part of the withdrawn stance. We need time to collect ourselves. That's where you see a lot of more of the introverts in our community and the fours, fives, and nines. Um, and then you have ones, twos, and sixes, which make up another stance as well. But I just found that very interesting that three, sevens, and eights definitely are most, um, our biggest minority in the community. And they all share this thing in common that you are in the aggressive stance, which that's a that's an Enneagram series for another day. But if anyone wants to research the aggressive stance Enneagram, do some Googling um, and check it out if it appeals to you. There you go. I'm I found it learning more Enneagram stuff today. Oh, there's Have so many you ever layers. considered to be an Enneagram coach, Tom? A business model for you <laughs> could be I like have, a Zoom actually. Enneagram coach. Yeah, we won't make this about me, Daniel. I appreciate you tossing it to me, but um, I have thought about it. I don't know if that's in my future for the foreseeable future, but who knows? I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people about it and digging deeper. Um, it's just really fun. The um, descriptions of the seven that I read is we love thinking about new ideas. I know whenever we talk, I'm like, oh, we should do this for the um, <laughs> blog. We should do this. Yeah. We should do that. I, and I, I love that because we need that. We need visionaries like yourself. We need people to inject new life into something that's, hopefully stable and steadfast. You know, we always need to evolve and grow. And and that's something that the seven definitely has a strength in. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to read a statement from our one yabber who, brought, who provided feedback for this episode. I want to see if you feel the same way. He said, as he was providing feedback, he said, I just want to say how exciting it is being in the rare minority of yabbers who are sevens. It makes me feel so special and unique. Do you feel the same way or do you feel sad that there are so few of you? I don't care. <laughs> you don't care. Okay. You don't have emotions. You don't care. It's fine, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, what I love about the Enneagram is really more, more than understanding myself is understanding other people. Because before, before learning about different Enneagram types, I would be like, why is this person acting this way? Like, it's so weird. I don't understand. Like, I would never act this way. But then I realized that, oh, they're actually an unhealthy eight. They're an unhealthy four. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what I appreciate in the Enneagram. The uniqueness of being a seven. I don't actually know if I want to be friends with other sevens. Mm. <laughs> well, it depends if we're going to vibe and we do the same spontaneous stuff together but if they're gonna be flaky and do their own thing then we're not gonna be you know good friends <laughs> yeah for sure there are challenges there are, there are benefits to befriending your own type because you sort of come from life at the same angle and you approach life the same way or a lot of similar ways which can be a positive thing for a relationship but then that can also be I've experienced this with other fours as a four myself, just feeling like it's too much. It's too much in one room. Like you need different energy or different um, perspectives to complement each other. To travel, I want to be the one, you know, being spontaneous and not oh, <laughs> someone see. else doing their own thing and me going along with them, you know? Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, I just thought that was an interesting comment. It sounded very four-ish, feeling so special and so unique. Um, more than anything, sevens want to avoid feeling bored, sad, or uninspired. And so my question to you, Daniel, is what are your thoughts on that? How does that line up with your life? And if you can think of examples or perspectives that relate to your sexuality and masculinity, I would love to hear the sense of avoiding boredom, avoiding sadness, avoiding uninspiration in life. What does that look like for you? Gosh, yeah. Like when I... <laughs> When I was re when I finally came out of the closet as a seven and accepted that I'm an income seven, I had like a, a seven. I had like a flashback of like my entire life, and I've been like trying to determine. Oh my gosh, this is like such a seven thing to do. This is such a seven thing to do. So basically, in high school, in the four years of high school. I went to three different schools. Oh wow! <laughs> because I'm, I was just like talking about being uninspired. I was just so uninspired. It's like I, this, like I don't. This is not exciting. I don't like this. So I'm gonna move to a new school. So freshman year was a different school, and sophomore year was a different school, and then the junior and the senior year was the same school. 
so yeah that was one of the things that i kind of yeah identified oh that's such a seven thing mm. and um yeah just being you know being um being here in london and, and on um the other side of the world like i didn't understand when i was talking to my friends in in uni it was like oh let's go travel the world when we when we graduate let's go to europe and they're like what like that's like really scary you know uprooting your your whole life and i was like that's so exciting and um, i just didn't get why they weren't excited in the same things as me so um yeah that that was interesting <laughs> i Wanted to read this feedback from our community. Here's what he said. He said, before I even knew about the Enneagram, I must have been blind to what it was that motivated me because it has only been recently that I've actually understood my motivations for how I made decisions. Exciting decisions were so easy to make and simple to understand. Non-exciting decisions were procrastinated and had to be trudged through. I wish I could tweak myself and make the non-exciting decisions to be as easy as the exciting ones to accomplish. I can start new projects all day long. Finishing the old ones, that's a totally different story. When it comes to sexuality, it makes so much sense in hindsight as to why I am attracted to men. Men always seem to be kept at arm's length away from me, so mysterious and unknown, so exciting. And yes, sexually too. Not being able to relate to other men in the stereotypical way, such as sports, hunting, and athleticism, only fueled the fires of attraction and excitement. Do you find men exciting, Daniel? <laughs> I think I think for me, one of the things that's kind of an anti-seven for me is apparently sevens tend to be more extroverted. I'm not. Okay. Um, and I think that's because of, you know, growing up, being a closeteer <laughs> mm-hmm. where you know there's a lot of shame there's a lot of suppression there's a lot of um self-condemnation and all of that so i became an introvert so in terms of relating that to my sexuality i think part of why i'm not an extrovert is because of my sexuality People think I'm an extrovert, but that's when I get close to people. But like, if I'm not close to people, if I'm in a big room, I'm very happy, you know, being um, being quiet, being a wallpaper, mm. the perks of being a wallpaper. Wallflower, but yes, I get the same, <laughs> same, same sentiment. I know, we'll just joke. That's fine. That's and um, yeah, but when I get to know people in a more deeper way that's when i become um, more extroverted and i'm like shrek i have a lot of layers yes so you do i think that's um that's one of the things that you know sexuality ties into my enneagram sevenness um and how it affected yeah me, me being an introvert rather than an extrovert was that for you um Maybe I maybe you said this and I missed it, but like for you growing up and feeling like you had to suppress a lot, was that? Do you feel like that was culturally, like where you grew up, or part of your family dynamic, or where did you, where did you learn that consciously or unconsciously? Like, I remember seeing a video of myself having fun and like I don't know, I think dan- dancing or singing. And I'll, with, with my cousins, we were watching the video with my cousins and they were, wow, it's like a therapy session now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and they were, making, the layers. they were making fun of me on how Aww. I like, how was, how do you, um, how do you describe that? The bit, is it limpy or more like soft or whatever? Mm. And I remember that was like a defining moment for me. It's like, oh. I'm not going to, I'm going to suppress myself and I'm not going to express myself as much because, you know, it's apparently people make fun of me when, when I do that. So, wow, that's just an interesting memory that you brought up there, Enneagram coach. (laughs) Just call me coach. This is like a sports game. That's, I mean, I can resonate with a lot of that too. Like noticing film of myself, getting, getting excited, my voice rising. Like I hated, it's funny now that I do all these 
hundreds of podcasts now because I used to hate the sound of my voice because when I got excited, my voice would go up um, or it sounded gay or whatever the the criticism was, self-criticism was. Um, and so I would have to be go back, go back to stoic Tom. So I resonate. I resonate with that a lot um, as also a child growing up. Um, it's so fascinating. I'm glad we have an introverted seven because I think that is the stereotype. The stereotype of the seven is that they are all extroverts, always love being with people, always love having a crowd around them and people to tell jokes to and elaborate stories to. Um, and so again, beauty of the Enneagram, it's like not necessarily one size fits all. There's all these different, um, like people have wings and people have different instincts and people have different, um, even sub-personalities, introverted, extroverted whatsoever. So there's lots of variants here. So I'm glad we have you on for some some variety because most of the sevens in my life are very extroverted. So it is nice to talk to um, a fellow introvert like yourself. I think though my sevenness came out in my introvertedness. So one of the things that, one of my favorite video games is The Sims. So I mm. lived my sevenness through The Sims. That's so funny. <laughs> Basically, um, well, my so my mom enrolled me in this state school for nerds um, for for one year, and the the good thing about that is they gave us an allowance every month, so they paid us um, five hundred pesos every month. And every time that I got my allowance, I bought a new Sim expansion pack. Oh, <laughs> and I and I just, you know, I traveled the world in the Sims. You know, I made a lot of friends in the Sims. <laughs> and um, I had boyfriends in the Sims <laughs> when I couldn't have in real life. So that's so funny and now you like what a beautiful picture of like you travel to all these places virtually and then and then since then you've literally traveled around the world and made friends around the world like what a cool journey that it's been for you and you're still going your journey's not over like what a what a beautiful thing but that's fun so for you there was never enough sims expansion packs like there could you could have kept going right <laughs> and literally the i remember at like that time you buy when you buy a game it's like multiple CDs and the yeah. the whole game is like the size of a VHS. It's so huge. And so yeah. it just filled my whole closet. A closet full of Sims expansion yes. packs and sexuality. <laughs> that's <laughs> so interesting. Um, that's a little taste, the motivations, the excitement value of the seven. Um, moving to fears, Daniel, this is always a fun pivot to make in these episodes. So seven's fear, we've already started to touch on it a little bit, but um, the, the fear of the seven is getting stuck in a rut and missing out on the good life. They cope with this fear by constantly seeking out exciting, novel, and fun experiences. So I wanted to read the feedback from this episode and then um, get your thoughts on that or if any other thoughts come to mind. Um, this fear of missing out, he says, is one of the main reasons I figure I'll, ne I'll likely never marry. There's so much life to live and people to spend time with. I don't want to miss any of it, especially not to be tied down to one, parentheses, eventually unexciting person <laughs> for the rest of my life. If I could make myself get excited about the daily blah of life, it would be nice. And again, so much about what he just said, I resonate with as not a seven, as the Enneagram Institute has decreed upon me, um, because I get that. I get that that hesitancy to not marry. Obviously, this person is very single. Um, yeah, how does that how does that cross with you? So I don't know about your culture, but here in London or maybe in Europe, coupling with someone means you have a travel buddy. <laughs> so that's like, I don't know if that's, part of their idolatry of what they view marriage as. But when I speak to my friends, one of the main things that they want to be coupled up is they want a travel buddy. So I can't relate to that <laughs> in terms of being that and being tied down and married to someone. Because there's a lot of people here as well, like also like Kiwis or Australians, there's a couple moving here for a year and going around Europe. And so that's like one of the things that I'm jealous of actually. 
Um, I guess the fear of missing out is missing out on that, missing out on all of the adventures that we can go together, make memories together, take pictures together. And so, yeah. <laughs> that is an interesting perspective because I haven't spent much time in Europe. You know, I, I went to the UK for a summer in college. That was cool. And then I went to Ireland a few years ago with a friend for a week and that was great too. But I've never spent like extensive time like feeling out European culture. That's a trip that I would love to take someday is just spend a summer in Europe or something. Because I do get the sense because there are so many different countries and cultures so close together. Like I imagine that travel is hardwired more into people overseas than it is in America. I mean, you have, you have you know, America is a beautiful, vast place. People go on on trips in America, certainly. But, but I know there are also a lot of people who are just very comfortable, who have their jobs, who just stay in their hometowns their whole lives. Like I've encountered so many of those people in my life. So um, so I get the sense that could abs- absolutely be a, a cultural difference just between America and Europe to pick two places. Um, are you able to travel by yourself and enjoy yourself or do you get that sense that you're missing out um, when you talk about couples like that? I was going to talk about that in the security part. Oh, teaser so let's not go there yet let's let's hold on let's hold on to that but actually with this fear thing one of the things that i read about the seven um that i didn't like in the beginning was the the greatest fear was the fear of pain and i was like i face pain like head on like i um you know when i wanted to deal with this quote-unquote gay thing you know i really immersed myself into the books and i even you know went to the job retreat two times and (laughs) i remember my friends like telling me are you sure you're gonna go to this retreat with you know random people like you might get killed or something (laughs) and i was like no it's exciting you know we're gonna be i'm gonna be in the woods with the random gays like what's the worst that could happen but then I realized that actually I was doing that too because that's my way of trying to stop the quote unquote pain and not to have that pain anymore. So like I remember um I had I went to um therapy because I was having these like anxiety attacks and I was like to my therapist, so like this is what's happening. I want to dig what's the root of it. I want to know it now <laughs> and um, and I want to get through it like as fast as I can. And so I realized actually what I'm trying to do is trying to um, avoid, well, solve the pain, avoid the pain by solving the pain. Um, but um, pain is included in life and um, sometimes, you know, you can't avoid it. You just have to, you know, go, go go through it do you as as somebody who as as it is in the description like this this fear of pain um are you are you somebody who would classify yourself as a workaholic or somebody who wants to constantly have things on the calendar things to do so that you don't have to be alone with yourself but i know you also mentioned being an introvert and so i'm curious how that how that resonates with you or how much of it resonates yeah so not much so basically, I moved to London, you know, to travel. So basically, I've my first year, I've calculated that I went to thirty-five cities around Europe. My first year in London, and just before in twenty nineteen, um, the last retreat that I went, I was in a different country every month. So I think in May was a yard retreat, right? So I went to the US in May. And I, I said to myself, oh, like I've been around the East Coast before during the first job retreat. I'm not going to travel around as much. But then I ended up going to like seven cities or something. You couldn't, you couldn't help yourself. It's, it's in your nature. And then, so that's May. And then in June, I went to uh, the Czech Republic for another day retreat, actually. Mm-hmm. And for my birthday, some birthdays here. And then July... I was in um, Israel and then in August or somewhere else. Yeah, I was traveled. Travel is like my escape. But then the pandemic changed it all. I've, I haven't flown for like two years now. So, 
Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that's a whole other conversation too. Like how has COVID disrupted your life <laughs> as far as this person who loves to travel? It's definitely affected mine as, as someone who also loves to travel. You know, I was just basking for a moment when you were sharing all that because I was like, this is why. This is why I want to be a seven when I grow up. Like, I want to go to a different country every month. I want to go to 35 cities in a year. Like, that sounds like you're living my dream. But I also can recognize a dark side to that is if you are avoiding your life, if that's part of it too. Like, you have to find a balance in everything in life. It's not bad to travel. It's not bad to experience new things. But you also have to tend to your garden, whatever is in your garden, whatever you're growing in your heart, in your relationships, in your home. And so it's, it's, it's good, as always, to find balance in life. Actually, the main reason why I got a driving license this year because I want to drive to a different city every weekend. So, yeah. That's exciting. I'm so excited for you. Um, our little Daniel's growing up, you guys. He's got a driver's license and he's ready. He's ready to see the world as if he hasn't already seen it, but he's going to see more of it. Um, sevens and stress. Sevens and stress go to one the reformer or the perfectionist. And here's what that looks like. Stress causes sevens to have a black and white outlook on life. During periods of stress, sevens usually begin to take on qualities of one. They lose their upbeat and fun outlook on life and become more pessimistic. Sevens will be argumentative and blame those around them. And I joked with Jesse on our one episode, our one's the judgiest type, and he was he was completely owning it, I think, from what I recall, saying, yes, ones are the judgiest type because they are, by nature, self-critical, so they will also be externally critical as well. Um, and so I'm curious. I'm curious in your times of stress how much of that resonates with you. Do you feel like a judgy person? Well, I can relate to that when I'm angry. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when I'm hungry, I become become angry and I basically point out all of your flaws. <laughs> but so my my friend has, has told me that and they're like, we gotta keep you well fed at all times. But but yeah, I think yeah, I think when I'm not in a good place, I'm like I just point out everything that's wrong. I can relate to that especially in the church. Oh my God. Ooh, tell me more. I'm going to sit back and just let you talk. Talk about the church. What's wrong with the church? <laughs> <laughs> but basically I've like confronted leaders and stuff. Ooh, and, spill the tea. What is it? <laughs> and actually the one thankful thing that I have that I'm a I appreciate now is I think I've updated you that in the previous podcast. They just moved churches and they're very open. Mm. They're very open to, um, and they're the ones who ask for um, feedback on things. And lately we've been doing a series on sexuality. And so I kind of like sent an email <laughs> um, to them, but not like a, just, just at an email telling them like, Oh, this is making me really, anxious blah, blah 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 and they actually sat um, a meeting with me and i met um, with the pastor a couple of times and i still have a couple of um meetings set in the future and you know they just asked me like how could we do better and boy i have you know wow. <laughs> a billion answers to answer that so that's one thing that i'm thankful for that's awesome so are you are you pretty open with your story with your sexuality with certain people in your church then yeah, I mean, That's great. yeah, the, I mean, the thing about, you know, coming out is you have to keep coming out. So mm. um, one seven thing that I do as well is I have multiple small groups in church. <laughs> you can never have enough small groups, right? And um, some of them, I've already told some of them, like, I can't even be bothered. Like, if, if it comes out in conversation, then, you know, I'll talk about it. But if not, you know. Let's just enjoy life. <laughs> mm. Was it you that called yourself a small group slut? <laughs> no, you're the one who called me a small group slut. <laughs> I didn't call you that. Did I? I have to check the records. I don't know if that was on a recording or if it was on a private conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you love your small groups. And it's, it speaks just to your essence of more, just more. You, why have one small group when you can have seven? <laughs> or one how many? Every night. Yeah, have one for each of each night of the week for sure. Um, it's so funny because Matthew, who's an eight, I think he identifies as a seven wing, 
but he's the same way. He's got all, every time I visit him, there's like seven different church things we have to go to. He has all these different churches, all these different friend groups that he goes to, that he attends to. And it's not a knock on him. I think that's, that's exhausting to me if I thought about that kind of life in my life. But for, for someone like him, someone like you, that clearly brings you life. And that's, that's really cool. So fun. Um, I had to read this comment too from Rafia because he didn't have much to say on sevens and stress, but he did have this to say, um, hearkening back to our Enneagram one episode. Um, he says on that Enneagram one episode, I love a good callback. This is fantastic. I love this comment. He said this on the Enneagram one podcast, you mentioned that an Enneagram seven would be a terrible college dorm RA. I just want to say I might not be the most organized in a position like that, but there would be a lot of fun times that happened in that dorm, which I have to give credit to sevens in an RA position being in charge of what is an RA. So it's abbreviated for a resident. What is it? A resident assistant or something like that. Basically it's just the person in the dorm who's in charge of, or like who keeps order in the dorm. So he might have 10 people or 20 people or however, however the big the dorm boss. is. Yeah. You have like a residential director who might be in charge of a whole building. Um, and then an RA who might just be in charge of a floor or something basically. Mm -hmm. So the RA, yeah, they're like, they have to be organized because Jesse mentioned on the one episode that he was an RA and that he, as a one, he has everything in black and white, all the rules, all the ways to, to keep order in this place. Um, and I joked on that episode that a seven would be the worst because they just want to have fun all the time. So um, maybe the worst is not the right language to use because it would absolutely be a fun time in that college dorm. And you know, a seven, when they're healthy, when they're growing, we're gonna to get to that really soon. I'm sure they would be able to keep some order too. I think you can find both. Like your, your life isn't just total chaos, right, Daniel? <laughs> Reminds me of the time when um, I was volunteering for a team at church. And I don't know why, but it just happened that the my leader assigned me to organize our, all of the socials. So I did all of the socials we did darts we did pub quizzes we did what else well the most unique one was like axe throwing <laughs> yeah axe throwing but then speaking of stress when i was stressed and i was really angry at my leader i was like i'm gonna email your your boss and say all of these things <laughs> so there's the the argumentative side coming out in stress so before we move to security daniel i wanted to ask you um, coming out, that conversation has come up a lot in these episodes, the coming out to yourself, coming out to other people. Um, I imagine coming out produces some level of anxiety, some level of stress. And I'm just curious from your seven lens, um, yeah, can you think of any, any times, any people or, or yourself for that matter, when you had to come out, um, just like walk me through the stress of that or the anxiety of that and how that played out in your life? Because I would be curious to hear how a seven comes out like what is you mentioned a little bit about you just wanted to do all the things and go to the retreats and do this so like I, how did your first approach coming out as you were coming to terms with your sexuality i'm thinking about all of the because uh, i have a blog series that you do shout out to daniel's finished. blog that is still ongoing <laughs> yeah basically i came out when i was 18 to my pastor and then 19, I came out to my parents. We've never talked about it since. And then at 20, I went to the other side of the world and lived there and never came back. <laughs> and so I think that's basically the main thing why I'm in London is to escape from all of that, escape from the things that we're talking about, the, the sadness, the suppression, the shame, and that's why I'm here. Like I, when I moved here, I was ready to be side A. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's London, they're pretty progressive there. So, right. you know, I might find churches that are that are side A. And I did before I found Yab, I found other groups that are that are side A. I even went to like Christian festivals with them and, and everything. But you know, it it didn't um yeah, it wasn't it wasn't for me. But then going back to what I said, like what I used to escape, God used to kind of teach me how to plant fruits and persevere and all of that because 
by being here, I'm on a visa. Just talking about my progressive, like being on a visa means that I'm tied to one workplace and I can't move. I can't, you know, I can't just quit randomly. I can just do a rage quit, which I wanted to do like a lot. Like, you know, there's big times where I'm like twice or three times a year. I really want to quit and I can't because I'm tied to this visa. So that's, um, I think that was also a God thing, you know, like directing me, um, kind of like working with me with my personality type, you know, wanting to escape and to travel, but in that, you know, what works with, you know, work with your personality. And he taught me how to persevere in that. In yeah. That stress. Yeah. I love the blending of both of like being able to, to travel so much, to travel so far away from home and have a fresh start, but then to have something in place, a system in place that, kind of forces you now to stay put for a bit and to have opportunities to to have little mini escapes like traveling like you like to do. But um, that is a beautiful picture of just God satisfying both elements, the, the desire for spontaneity and newness, but then also stability and structure, which we all need as well. So that's that's beautiful, very well put. I'm glad you found Yab, Daniel. I can't imagine this community Everybody listening, send Daniel some love when you hear this episode, because can you imagine if you had never found this place? I just can't. It's hard to imagine. Can you believe? Can you believe? <laughs> um, the final turn in this episode, Mr. Seven, is going to Seven's Insecurity, which is such a fun shift because it almost, from the outside observer, it almost feels like this is a downgrade, like from the vivacious, like lively, exciting, enthusiastic seven to go to security, you take on qualities of five, which are the investigator. And I just love this this turn for you. I love this turn for the seven because it's so dramatic. Um, during periods of growth and security, sevens become more like fives. They experience life on a deeper level. Sevens can be more comfortable being alone with themselves in silence. It is easier to find their meaning and purpose in life during periods of growth and security. So like from the outside, it almost makes me, because I have been very clear throughout this episode that I want to be a seven. So to me, it's, it almost looks like when a seven tones it down and becomes becomes more like a five, it almost feels like, wait, where did all your mojo go? Where did all your excitement and enthusiasm go? But But I think for you, and especially as an introvert, I'm sure you can appreciate those times when you are by yourself and you are you do have time to collect your thoughts and to take a deep breath and to whatever you do to, to recharge and grow or learn, whether it's reading or watching movies or um, where you don't have to be on the go all the time, where you can take some time for yourself and just chill out. Like I, got, I imagine that's got to be a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's like one of the instances that I reminded of was when I went to David Spent. Basically, David said is a 72-hour worship, non-stop worship session mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere, England. Um, and in the beginning, I was really stressed because I'm like, I can't do anything else here. Like, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's no signal. There's no preaching. It was just worship. And I was, I was so used to, like, you know, a set list in worship, like one, two, some one, two, three, four. Um, but there it's like very flowy. Sometimes one song is like 20 minutes without lyrics. It's all spontaneous. But like at some point, it kind of like clicked that, you know, it's just, you know, all about spending time with God and enjoying time, you know, in, in his presence. And I think that experience really, yeah, really changed my perspective on, you know, not having anything to do. Like one of my stresses is when I go on holiday, for example, like to the Philippines and the beach that I'm like, I'm just sitting here doing nothing. And like, I need to do something. But then, yeah, that experience in Davidson just reminds me actually, you know, this is also part of, of life enjoying nothing but also in God's 
present. And I kind of felt that as well, even though it was an escape, I kind of felt that, you know, going to the arbitrary, you know, like going to 35 cities in Europe, it's all by myself. Yeah, that's when I was like, wow, like the beauty of the, you know, beauty of creation, beauty of humans, you know, hotties. <laughs> just, um, yeah, just enjoying that. Yeah. The word that comes to mind is savor. Like you're you're not just sipping all the different places or experiences or people, but you're actually stopping to savor them. Like you're letting it linger on your lips. I'm getting very like vivid with my my imagery right now. But to take time to savor and to enjoy um, something, someone, some place, like that's that's a beautiful thing, and it comes easier or more difficult to certain people. To stick, to stick with that, to stay with that. Um, here's the feedback on this one about security. Um, Aryabra said this, I do certainly show five tendencies in health. Although I enjoy silence, not so much being alone. I do find it exciting to be with the people I love. I have become better about being alone. Although I'd happily avoid it if possible for the rest of my life but not to just be with the same person. As far as being a five in health and friendships, I guess that would be that I am more focused on being content with the deep friendships I already have and not wanting the excitement of jumping from one friendship to the next repeatedly and neglecting the depth of established friendships. You know, that's a very interesting perspective. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Like, how do you approach friendships? Do you, is that something that sounds familiar to you? Like, do you find it exciting when you meet a new friend and you, do you have this desire inside of you to connect with more friends or more men in particular, if we're just focusing on, on that aspect um, with masculinity and sexuality, or do you, and, or do you focus on the friendships you already have? Yeah, this, I think this is where I diverge because I really love, um, I really love deep friendships and I long for deep committed long-term friendships. I don't know if, Maybe it's because, you know, I'm living here in another country without, you know, family or anything that I'm looking for people that can be my family here. And that's the thing about London. It's very, it's very seven. Like people are so transient. Like what I said, there would be, you know, that um, Australian couple, Kiwi couple, or even American couple who's here for a year or who's studying their masters and then travel around and then go, go disappear. <laughs> yeah. um, or like people from the country who go, you know, experience the big city for a while and then, you know, realize it's not really for them and go back. So it's really hard to find a um, lasting community. Here. And that's, that's like one of the things that I'm working on now. And one of the things that I, um desire but i guess yeah it's community so we could have fun together (laughs) yeah i mean i I imagine you know to focus the conversation on on side b people particularly the singles the single celibate people in our community that um that that can be a huge heartbeat especially the older we get like you just want to know like who's there for you who's in your life i know i feel that the older i get Um, like something pivotal happened when I turned 30 and I entered this new decade, I was like, oh my gosh, like I almost felt like I could excuse myself for traveling around as much as I did because I lived on both sides of the country and constantly kept moving. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm 30 something years old and the thought of staying put is terrifying, but then also who's staying put with me? Like, are there other people because I'm not coupled to somebody, um, like, is there going to be a group of people that's there with me through the through not only the months, but the years and the decades? Like, that's that's a very daunting thought. And so I I share that concern and I share that um, that curiosity, I guess, that you that you talk about. You know, Asheville isn't quite London, but it's a transient place itself because it's very it's very touristy. It's very niche. Like there's not um, there's not a lot of people that I've found that stick around. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see where we both are <laughs> in the years to come in our respective um, our respective transient cities that we call home right now. I'm curious. Well, that's where we went to the sad part. Let's go back to the happy part. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm curious why it's called the investigator. Can you um, tell me more about that, Coach? 
coach. Yeah. When you so, go to um, yeah security. When you go to five, yeah. So the investigator. Um, when we talked to good old Will Cooper, you know, he quoted Kierkegaard, and he loves books. He loves you know theology and philosophy, and so um, so the investigator their their primary drive is they. They just want to learn more. I mean, there's there's a similar, um, you know, their passion isn't gluttony, but there is this um, desire for more in the form of knowledge, in the form of connecting all the dots and being well prepared for situations. And um, and so that's kind of what how I've always interpreted the seven going to five is that that yeah, you you find your way of recharging. And so whether it is reading a book, whether it's um, watching a Netflix documentary. Like I've known sevens who love Netflix documentaries because they just want to, they just want to sit down, learn, not have to go. And it almost, it almost satisfies this thing inside of them to travel or to go somewhere, but they can sit at home, not go somewhere, but then still get something from it and like learn something. And I think it's that, that piece of growth where it's like, you don't have to necessarily always be going somewhere or doing something to grow. I think where I can relate to that is with the investigator part, like I also try to invite other people to investigate with me. Like just this month mm-hmm. I've given, I like my love language is giving books. One of my love languages is giving ah, books. So yes. I've given the same book to one, two, three, three people this, um, this month. So it's kind of like, so we can be excited on one thing together. And, you know, just explore this thing together. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, actually, it reminded me when I learned first about the Enneagram, like I, I became one of those Enneagram people who talked about the Enneagram all the time. And I made my fr- all my friends, you know, take the test. I wanted to know their number. I wanted to even like the, my closer friends. The, there's like in, in one of the um, websites, there's like how healthy you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the level of healthy, healthy you are. It's like, oh, how healthy are you? <laughs> so I was like really, really, um, really entrenched on getting to know them as people. And yeah, I was super excited to um, explore more in terms of getting to know people in that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's such a great parallel because you've mentioned the Yab retreat multiple times in this episode, which makes my heart smile just to hear you reference that experience, um, the the retreats that you've come to, because because that is the essence of it. Like we are we are all navigating this journey together. It's a lot of uncharted waters in a lot of ways culturally, um, and so it's just fun. It's fun to share these blogs, share these podcasts, share these Discord posts. Um, and even share retreats and Zoom calls and other other places that we can connect and to do it together, to not have to be by yourself, to to share share this experience of living this life together. It's a beautiful thing. Sad that I can't go this fall. I know. This is two years in a row, Daniel, that you are not with us. I'm starting to get concerned that a trend is developing. <laughs> But one thing we're starting is we are starting a Zoom. We well, we've started a Zoom for uh-huh. Europeans for my time we zone. Have. So, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, we're we haven't done a Yobcast in a while to have like announcements because that is an announcement in our communities. We've been having European-centric Zoom calls for the last few months. And it's been really fun to to get people from Germany and the UK. And South Africa and a lot of Americans for that matter. So like it works out really well that we get like people on their lunch break in America and Canada showing up as well. So like what a fun thing. You know, we could make our own retreat here in Europe. Let's do that. Honestly, so if you're a lurker out there, please come and join our next European Zoom. European Zoom, soon to be European retreat. Look at you already vision casting. This is what you do. This is what the seven does. You this new experience of zoom calls isn't enough now we need we need a european retreat too which i would totally fly across the ocean to go to absolutely um someday let's keep it let's keep the let's keep that conversation going um before we go daniel this is how you love a seven we always close our episodes with some suggestions if you know a seven in your life if you have that enthusiast um, here's how you can love them well. So let me read this list for you. And then if you can think of any other ways, Daniel, that we can love you and other sevens well, please feel free to offer those. Um, if you love a seven, 
Be a gentle reminder to them that acknowledging their emotional pain will not kill them, but that it is a necessary and cathartic part of life, one that will actually save them from their overdoing it in the long run. Gently offer your seven freedom, time, and space to do this processing alone, and they will increasingly step away from their own wild planning and choose to love you time and again with much loyalty and depth. Though it may not seem as though their joy ever has a landing place, it does. And it's very helpful for them to have a safe place with you to rest, as well as to process deeply buried, anxious feelings. It also helps if you can stay a little while to help them feel safe, to crack open some actual emotions besides joy or anger and admit to sadness and anxiety. Also to realize that these things too have an end, can be worked on, and of course, as they will see for themselves, that joy will always return, even if it looks different across seasons. Have we unlocked some of your sadness and anxiety beyond your joy and your anger today? I mean, I think it's just a life of the person, the trauma that comes with it. <laughs> yes, travails that come with this life, but a lot of joy too. And that's something that I appreciate about sevens like yourself and other types in our community too. It's one of our values for a reason. Like we made a shift a couple of years ago where we int- we introduced a new value because we, we used to have five values on our Yab website. Now we have seven. And one of them is joy. And that is such, it was such an overlooked one. Yeah, I love the joy tribe in the first. That's right. Retreat. That's right. Joy tribe represent. Um, because that's the thing, like you put, you said it so well, like the side B life, not necessarily easy, not necessarily full of happy moments all the time, but are there happy moments? Are there times of more than just happiness, like deep residual joy um, for following Christ and like having this kinship with one another, people around the world that we can do this life with? Um, like, absolutely. There's definitely joy. And all you have to do is come to one retreat. We're really, we're really giving a shout out to the, to the Yab retreat, but like, Come to one retreat and I dare you to come to that retreat and not leave without one moment of joy, at least one, because I promise you will. You will have one moment of joy before the weekend's over. And it's a beautiful thing. Can I say this? Say it. Happiness isn't always about a happy penis. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Where did that come from? Is that a saying? (laughs) No, I just made it up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Are we going to end on a penis <laughs> joke? Is that how we're ending this whole series? Yes, this is That's Yab. So this is Yab. This was our Enneagram series. Good night, folks. This is no. the Yab. This is the Yab Convocast. We talk about masturbation, mm. talk about penises, and all that stuff. Yes. That's so funny. It was so out of, I was not expecting that. You're going to edit that out. <laughs> no, I have to keep that. That's That's, that's a keeper. Thank you for, again, just bringing so much joy to this episode, to this community, Daniel. We will miss you at the Yav retreat, but um, but we keep having virtual retreats now, which you show up for as well, which makes it easier if you live on the other side of the world to come to. So um, so maybe maybe next virtual retreat, we'll see you. We'll see you again there. Um, friends, this is getting emotional now because this is it. This is the end of the series. Um, I just want to thank Daniel. I want to thank all of the guests all around the Enneagram. This has been an idea in the works for a couple of years now. I, I always thought it would be cool to talk about the Enneagram in some sort of extended format. I didn't know what it would look like a couple of years ago, but um, as I was planning planning out the year and planning out what we could do this year, um, the more our community's grown, the more I looked around and, and thought it could be possible. We could do this. We could talk to one person representing each type. And some of the types are harder to come by, but... Um, but it was really fun to just make the rounds during this series and to connect with people that you've heard many times before and people that you haven't heard ever at all. And it was great to get to know them and get to hear their story and how they see the world and how they've processed their sexuality and how they relate with other men. So, um, so this has just been really fun. You could reframe that as this is just the start of a wider conversation. There we go. Thank you for just helping me see the, not the sadness, the sadness of something ending, which is how I'm just bent to look at something. This is probably why I'm not a seven. Um, Versus, oh my gosh, we could do this again and talk to people learning about other aspects of their Enneagram types um, or other aspects of their personality types. I had somebody joke with me the other day, you should do a Myers-Briggs series. And I was like, I don't know if our listeners 
will put up with a 16 part series, but who knows, never say never. But, um, but yeah, no, I love that your perspective is to see the bright side, the silver lining um, of this series. Not that it's ending, but that this is just potentially just beginning. I, I love that. And I love this series. And thanks also, not just to the nine guests I had, but to all the feedback because we got so much feedback on these episodes. I was a little nervous that nobody would respond, to be honest, or at least on some of these types, but we had somebody respond to each of them. And a special shout out to the twos who I think had the most feedback of all the types on these on these episodes. But so many people from type eight all the way to type seven provided feedback, which made the episode so much more robust and dynamic and full. And so I'm just super grateful for all the yabbers listening who took the time, because those things take time to sit down and collect your thoughts and type them out. Um, I just really appreciate it. It was so touching to see people care about this series as much as I did or to some comparable level that I did. So um, so thank you, Yabbers, for your feedback, for your presence in our community. It's so, I'm just so blessed. I'm so amazed that this this is our community. I, I, love, I love us. Um, Daniel, I can't wait to check in with you again sometime. And yeah, I'm hoping, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I mean, if I ahead. can't go to the U.S., maybe you could go to the I U.K. I know. I was saying, like, next year, I, I feel this inkling that next year is a year of momentous travel for me. I mean, I started to travel a little bit more this year um, than in years past, but um, potentially, yeah, in the year to come, I could see, I could easily see myself um, hopping on a plane. We prophesize like that <laughs> in the and- name of Jesus. <laughs> If I visit, like, you don't have to worry about traveling alone, Daniel. Like, I will gladly travel with you somewhere. Yeah. Find a destination and let's chart it. Maybe you'll have a cute little car at that time and we can drive somewhere. A little mini Cooper. You're a driver now. Congratulations again. That's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. Well, I don't know what's coming next, but until we cast our next convo, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, see you guys on the other side. Bye, friends. Happiness isn't always about a happy place. Goodbye. See you next time. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.